You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. As we get into the Word of God, not just to not just to ready your heart to receive what the pastor has to say. Because if the pastor's been in prayer and he's been with the Lord and the, the presence of God is on what I have to say, I want you to ready yourself for what God has to say. If I say it to you this morning, it's the word of a man. If God says it to you this morning, it's the word of God. And if God says it to you this morning, it's going to be able to transform your life and you're going to see fruit over it this week, this month, this year. Can I get an amen, somebody? And so I was praying early this morning. God said this. I want you to receive this now. He is going to release this morning boldness into your life. Amen. Can I hear amen, somebody? Amen. I, don't just, I don't mean boldness. All that timidity that you have to share your faith and articulate the faith, all of that, that, that discouragement and frustration that you're not smart enough, that you're not powerful enough, that you're not anointed enough, that's going to go in Jesus' name. And I declare to you in the authority of Jesus that you will be bold to declare your faith. You're going to feel, I speak it now, you're going to feel something in your belly jumping this morning, leaping. It's going to pop up in your belly. It's going to feel like it's on the tumble, the spin cycle in the washing machine. It's going to feel like inside it's just, right? Is that only how my washing machine sounds? You know, my washing machine, I had to put something, you know, sometimes my whole house is shaking. I think it's a quake. And I have to go fix the washing machine. And it's, and one time I remember I was in the shower. I just put stuff in. I like to do my laundry at the same time I'm showering, you know. And, uh, and that way if there's a flood, I'm already wet. I don't have to worry about it. And I put the thing in there and all of a sudden I'm in the shower and the whole house is shaking. I'm thinking, Jesus, what is going on? And I get out and I don't know, I had to fix the washing machine. But, it's, but you know when I saw that, I thought that's, that's, what, that's what it's like when the Holy Ghost is in my belly. Right? And you can either live your life with the Spirit of God in your belly like that, or you're not going to live your life like that. I want to be a washing machine when I walk around. I want to make a difference. I want people to say, man, he's not quiet about it. There's something inside. Why are you making all that noise? Because there's something in my belly that's a turning. Amen? There's something in my belly that's got motion to it. And you know where that comes from? It comes from the place of prayer. And you are going to miss out on what God is doing in your life if you're not praying. Hello, somebody. You are going to miss out on what God is not only doing in your life, you're going to miss out on what God is doing in the earth today, and you're going to be paying attention to what God is doing in everybody else's life if you're not in that place of prayer. And if you're not in that place of prayer, you know whose boldness you're going to try and use? Pastor's boldness. You're going to try and use the guy on TBN's boldness. You're going to try and use the guy that's podcast you're listening to boldness. But if you're not in prayer, you'll never have your own boldness. You'll never have your own move of God. You're so busy looking for the move of God that you don't have your own move of God inside your heart. Can I get an amen, somebody? You say, where's the move of God? Move of God's right here. Move of God's in my belly. You get enough people together, you start having a communal move of God. But the move of God that's in my life, I'm not looking for the move of God. Every time I go into prayer, there's a move of God. Every time I get out of prayer, there's a move of God. Can someone give me amen this morning? I'm just preaching out of my spirit. All right, are you ready to go? So I speak to you to receive boldness in Jesus' name. I want you to see souls win. And listen, if you find somebody, God send them sick people this week so you can heal them. Okay, you hear that? I just prayed. Now God's going to send you sick people. Now you pray for them this week, okay? 
That means Thursday night when I'm here, I'm going to say, was a, did a sick person come across your path? If someone says, oh, you know, I just got, it's the summertime and I got the flu. Don't even give them a choice. You grabbed their hand, I pray for them in Jesus' name. But they're not a believer. Don't matter. They already think you're strange for being a believer. Just pray for them. Amen. You're going to, oh, I got a headache. Come out the headache in Jesus' name. I be free of that headache. Someone say, well, I'm just feeling depressed. I break the depression off you. They don't even have to know what you're doing. Just say, they say, what was that? Don't worry about it. You just let me know when the depression is good. Hello, somebody. We got to get bold for Jesus. You know why? Because if you're not bold, then Satan's going to get bold. The reason why Satan's bold is because Christians have not been bold in this country because we have taken it for granted. Oh, are you ready for it? Okay, now I'm just preaching. Go with me, if you will, this morning to Matthew chapter 4. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching on boldness this morning? Because we're talking about the ministry of Jesus this morning. Someone say the ministry of Jesus. All right. The ministry of Jesus. And this morning, I particularly want to declare and talk about overcoming the cycle of defeat. Overcoming the cycle of defeat. A cycle is something that occurs over and over and over and over again in your life. It, today, it goes through processes. You, you know, today you're defeated and you seem to be going through the same exact thing, the same exact process. And, you know, you may get a note of victory on one day, but then you go right back into that cycle. And you look at your life and you start recognizing there are patterns. There is certain things that are causing your defeat. And this morning, I want to talk about destroying the cycle of defeat. Can I get an amen? All right. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 24. It says this. And his, talking about Jesus, fame went throughout all of Syria. And they brought unto him... All sick people that were taken. Now, if you're making notes in your Bible, this word taken is important. That were taken with diverse diseases and torments. And those that were possessed with devils. And those that were lunatic. And those that had the palsy. And he healed them. Now, I want you to get the picture of Jesus' ministry for a second here. Can you imagine being at that service? Can you imagine trying to hand visitors' cars to those people? Sister Latanya, can you imagine? All of a sudden, just a couple of vans pull up and come from the psych ward and all those people come walking into the place and, and you have to greet these people they're not even going to know what you're saying you might as not even want to try and speak to them because they're so out of their mind they're so tormented then you have people that have stretchers coming in and the whole place is full of people that are full of sickness and disease in their body and this was the ministry of Jesus and it says here the interesting thing is that these people that were brought to Jesus were taken with diverse diseases and diverse torments and when you study the scripture you'll find out what the author is saying when he says that these people were taken it doesn't mean that they were just having trouble having problems having difficulty it's the not having a bad day see as a pastor I'm here to tell you you're gonna have some bad days friend and I don't mean that. What I mean by that is simply, things just may not go right. You know, you get out of bed on the wrong side of the bed. You know, just you get an email, it's frustrating to you. You get a friend, you know, calls you at the same time. And things kind of just bam, bam, bam happen. And, and it's 11 o'clock in the morning. You're in a bad mood. Well, get over it. Hello, somebody. I said, how do I get, how, how, how do I overcome a bad day? Well, you just get over it. Go get you a Starbucks. Go put some of your favorite, you know, caramel mocha latte cha-cha in it. And just get on over it. Amen. Do you drink? I don't drink mocha latte. I just, just straight black coffee from the gas station is fine with me. You can get it for $2. You can get a whole bucket full. You have to carry it out in a wheelbarrow. Amen. Someone said it was 7-Eleven uh, Slurpee Day. I was going to take a wheelbarrow in there and fill the whole thing up with it. 
put a straw in it, sit on the curb and eat it, drink it, whatever. Yeah, no, no, you know, no, let's see on people having a bad day. These are people, the Bible says they're taken. It's a military word that's talking about people that are put as prisoners behind a fortified wall and held captive beyond their own will. It means that you have no possibility of escaping this short of a miracle or divine help. And I don't know if you've ever been to a psych ward before. Anyone ever been to a psych ward? Anyone ever had to go? That's the closest to hell that you are ever going to be people that work with psychiatric patients because I'm going to tell you when people's minds are gone you are sick that's going to be the worst thing about hell is when you go to hell I'm convinced that people are going to be out of their minds in that place of torment hello somebody yeah and we're going to have compassion on them, but I'm here to tell you God's going to give you boldness because as believers we're supposed to have it in us to deliver these people and the Bible says that these people were taken with torments. The word torment is an interesting word because it didn't always used to mean torture. The word torment was a Greek word that simply meant testing metal to prove what they're worth using the proving stone. You know what a proving stone is. Are you guys here this morning? Are you ready to go? Are you ready? I'm, something is bubbling up in me this morning. I'm ready to preach to God. I mean, I am ready to preach. I'm ready to preach. I mean, I'm, I feel full of God's spirit. I feel full of his power. I'll just bring me someone to lay hands on. A touchstone, when you're looking for gold to see what it's made out of, you take a black stone and you take the substance and you scratch it across the surface so you can see what color line this thing makes. If it makes a pure gold line, you take chemicals and you mix it with that line and you find out whether or not the substance is pure gold or whether it's not pure gold. And in military days and in Greek and Roman days, they would take substances, precious metals, golds and silvers, and they had to decide if it was precious enough to use for their currency. And so what they would do is they would take the metal they found, rub it across the touchstone, and they would test that metal to see if it was able to be used for the Roman currency at that time, which had to meet a particular standard. But here's the problem. If it was pure enough and met the standard of the touchstone, the next thing that they would have to do is they would put it through another test. And then they would put it through another test. And so using this term of torture, it meant one test after the next, after the next, after the next. And each test becoming more difficult and each test becoming more tough and each test becoming more intense to see what the thing was made out of never ever usually coming out of the test and this began to be what the word torture meant because when you find out someone's being tortured they're going from one demonic thing to the next demonic thing to the next demonic thing Satan is just having a field day with that person trying to beat them up and trying to torment them and trying to hinder them can someone say amen have you ever seen, have you ever seen someone going through torture? I'm, I mean, listen, today in a, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. There's the church here this morning. Men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be proud. They'll be haughty. They'll be boastful. They'll be disobedient. They'll be uh, haters of God. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't let it fool you. Don't find a sinner at the club and think that this is what they really look like. Because when they're done sinning, what you'll find out is that person is tortured. And I think back to a person that I know very particular. This person uh, I met in 2010, and I met them at a bank. And the person started telling me their story. And do you know what they told me? They told me in part of their testimony that they never lived for God. And the interesting thing about this person is, they told me, I need God in my life. They grew up as a Catholic. They said, I need God in my life. Do you think he could deliver me from my sick thoughts? 
I say, what do you mean, sick thoughts? And they say, you would not want to be me. Wealthy home, uh, just has a pretty good life. And she said, you would not want to be me because in my life, I am a slave to my thinking. Do you know that why there are certain people in their life, you don't understand why they do what they do. Let's see a show of hands this morning. How many have seen somebody do something and you think to yourself, now why in earth would they do something like that? Can someone raise a hand? And I'm not talking about things that make you laugh. I'm talking about things that make you go, what? Things that are just, I mean, you sit and you talk to your spouse, or you sit and you go on AOL chat rooms to find your chat buddy, and you to, to run this by them, and you say, I don't understand why they're doing this. And I'm going to tell you why this morning. The reason why they're doing this is because they're sick in their minds, and they're trying to find an escape for getting away from the thoughts that are up here. Can someone say amen? And you'll find out this morning that in breaking the cycle of defeat in your life through the power of deliverance is that people have to get away from their mind. And the only if way, if they do not have Jesus, if they do not have the Word of God, the church here this morning, if they do not have the Holy Spirit, they are going to look to sin. They are going to look to the world. They are going to look to things that are further going to put them in bondage. Can someone say amen? Now, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. What you do with your body, I like to say this, this is important. What you do with your body is always going to affect your mind. So you find people, I, I talk to Christians a lot of times, they, they say, well, you know, I'll tell you what. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Now, God's going to forgive you. But here's the thing, whatever you do is going to have consequences on it. Whatever you perform is going to have consequences. And so what you do with your body, whatever action that you do, is ultimately going to put you further into bondage if it's against the will of God. So what I want to talk this morning real quick, and I'm going to finish it tonight, is simply how do you break the cycle of defeat in your life? Now you're sitting here you say, Pastor, you have no idea. I have sick thoughts in my mind. I want to show you this morning how to get away from those sick thoughts. You say, well, I have habits in my life. See, you have a thought. That thought comes and turns into a cycle of thoughts. You have a thought in your mind. You don't cast it down. Your responsibility as a believer, cast that thought down. Cast it down. As a pastor, I was talking to another pastor from Canada the other day. I said, what do you speak on most as pastor? He said, the mind. I said, it's funny, that's what I seem to speak on most is the mind and prayer. Because you'll find out the battle in life is in the mind. And the responsibility of the believer is, in my opinion, true spirituality is a person that has control of the mind. Because a mind is going to, a thought is going to produce a cycle of thoughts. And the cycle of thoughts is going to produce, what is it going to produce? Conduct. Now you have conduct. Conduct is going to start producing, you do it once, you do it twice, you now have an action. Hello somebody, you have an action or what I mean is a recurring action which is habit. Now that you have a habit, do you know what it's going to turn into? Habit is going to turn into destiny. And this is how the person got there. They got there by a thought. And it wasn't just a thought. It was a thought they refused to take captive to the obedience of Jesus. 
can someone give me can somebody give me a keep on preaching pastor alright that's what I like to hear so if you say well I have conduct I have, I have this in my life how do I reverse it the first thing you need to know is you need the ministry of Jesus in your life that is you need deliverance God told me to start the church and he told me you'll waste my time if you don't preach deliverance because we get in this idea that well I came to Jesus I had that come to Jesus moment thank you Lord save me glory to God hallelujah Whew. amen and you go home but, but, but let me say something many Christians you'll find in their life are still bound you say well pastor does I a Christian do they need deliverance do Christians need deliverance absolutely I like to say it like this isn't it obvious that Christians need deliverance Amen, somebody. Because of the cycle. Many times Christians, when they come to Jesus, what they do not do is they don't ever break the cycles that they have in their life. Let me ask you this. How many came to Jesus and still have bad habits? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. How many came to Jesus, you were potty mouth before you came to Jesus, and you were potty mouth after you came to Jesus? Amen. How many of you came to Jesus, you went to church, and you went out to the restaurant, and everybody's like, wow, I thought they went down to the altar, and they got saved. How many came to Jesus, and man, you love God. Watch this. You love God. You love Him. You're reading, his, you're reading the Bible. You're reading the Bible, and, and after you're done reading the Bible, you, you, you have about an hour left, and so you, you just... Oh, yeah. That's God's green earth right there. <laughs> Well, God, God gave it to us. We, we can... Oh, tough day. No, why are you doing that? Do you love God? You love God. Yes, I love God. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you believe Jesus is the only way? I believe He's the only way. You can't... I love Him. In your heart, you love Him, but you're still stuck to this thing. Why is it? Because you haven't got delivered from it yet. I was... Listen, I was at... I was at a conference or a retreat or something like that just a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. I was getting ready to preach. I'm the pastor. They don't. They know I'm the pastor. I have the Bible in my hand. I have the notes. All right. And do you know what the guy is doing? He's the deacon of the church. D E A C O N. He's the Brett and Mike Palmer of the church. Deacons. They're not doing it. They ain't gonna do this at my church. But they're doing it at this church. He was smoking cigarettes. Not just one. One after the other. So which preaching on preacher? I said I, I want you deacon of the church. Yeah. Yeah. And he's telling me, oh, I, have, I run a ministry. I run a ministry for people in addiction. I thought, well, maybe you should sit in your ministry for a little while. Yeah. But I said, well, I, I, what's the success rate if the pastor can't? But listen, I'm not here to judge him. I'm, he loves God, but he hasn't, been, he hasn't gotten over that thing. Let me tell you something. There are, listen, intelligence to me, spirituality to me, <laughs> Spirituality to me is power to overcome. Yeah. It's not being book smart. It's important to be book smart. But let me tell you this. It doesn't mean a lick to know the Greek and the Hebrew and can't get over looking at pornography. To know the Greek and the Hebrew and can't get over gossiping and being jealous about people. It, it means nothing. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is when you find Jesus, can you overcome the bondage in your life? But listen, listen. I, I, I'm not looking. The, the ideal member of this ministry is not the person that comes to serve every day. 
that is in church every day. Listen, some of y'all, this sometimes, man, you know, you guys need to just go hang out. You don't have to come night service every sir. Go hang out with your family. Yeah, the ideal person in the ministry is the person that is producing fruit in their life. You came in in July and you couldn't stop smoking cigars when you're with your friend. And now you look at cigars, you want to vomit. Hello, somebody. It's the person that's producing fruit in their life. And so we have to understand as believers, we can break this habit in our life by renewing our mind. And not only renewing our mind, by making a decision to deal with that thing. Yeah. Can someone say deliverance? Now I want to, I'm, I'm off my notes. I mean, I got all this stuff here. I don't even know why I make these notes. I mean, I, I just, you know, y'all ask me what I'm doing during the week. I'm working hard, coming up with sermons and writing stuff and doing, I mean, my mind is so full of stuff and I get up here and then go on a rabbit trail and then realize the rabbit trail has just led me away from everything, man. I'm just gonna, yeah. One day you'll get to hear stuff in here. Is that okay? Holy Ghost knows what you need. Spirit of God knows what you need. I declare, listen, close your eyes, lift your hand right now. In the name of Jesus, I declare, if you have a nicotine habit in here, I break its power over your life and the authority of Jesus. I take authority over nicotine, tobacco of every kind. I command you to loose your grip off every believer in Jesus' name. You're not condemned. Go and smoke no more in Jesus' name. Someone say, go and smoke no more. Now, if that's you and you're the smoker in here, don't tell nobody. Amen. You just go, and, 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 and I want you, when you leave, to have a cigarette. And when you have that cigarette, it's going to make you the sickest you've ever been in Jesus' name. And then you'll know you've been overcome. Now, if you don't smoke, don't you go and have a cigarette. I didn't tell you to have a cigarette. I told the person to try it, and you're going to find out you're as sick as a dog, and you'll never want them again. Hello, somebody. Alright, now, let me give you some misconceptions quickly today about what people understand about bondage. Because I will tell you that, I'm going to say this now, if you haven't understood this, you're not spiritually discerned. In the last days that we're living in, this moment, you're going to see now the wheat separating from the tares. We live in a society where you didn't know who was Christian who was not Christian. We had everyone was churchgoers. You're Catholic, you're Protestant. Hey, we all love Jesus in here, right? But how do you know somebody loves Jesus unless they're given the opportunity to demonstrate they don't love Jesus? How do you know somebody is going to be obedient to Jesus unless they're given the opportunity to disobey Jesus? Now we're coming into a culture that is becoming very, very flamboyantly against the things of God. And I'm going to tell you why that's happening. Because there's been failure to pray here in America. There's been entertainment over prayer meetings. There's been what the stage looks like and what the music sounds like versus what the people's praying and what the people's worshiping sounds like. There has been a letdown in the wall of spiritual things. It's become what the pastor's wearing. It's become engaging culture. It's become looking good. It's become doing things. Listen, listen I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I remember the greatest revival I ever had, experience in my life, the biggest move of God, it was wasn't branded well, it didn't look right, it, it, you walk into the church and the, the board was hanging off the wall, the ceiling tiles were busted, the carpet looked like someone, it, it was just messed up, but I'm going to tell you something, when you got on that carpet, you were soaking up the anointing and the power of God was there, it was real, it may not have been done so professionally, but the power and the anointing of God was real, and somebody came in and said, I'm all for doing things right, but someone came in with a corporate mindset and says, listen, this needs to be corporate, we need to look like Starbucks, we need to look like Walmart, we 
need to look like this way. And listen, that's fine. I would love to have that kind of order at this church. But guess what went out the door with that? The things of God. They started taking the crosses down from the church. They started taking all these things down because we don't want to scare away believers. And guess what went out with it? The anointing of God. Yeah. And you know what happened? Demon spirits became more active in this country. And do you know what ended up happening now? Those demon spirits have begun to torment believers. And so what you're going to discover, and what you're going to find out now in the last days, is you're going to see an increase of demonic activity ruining people's minds. Today, everybody is drinking Xanax. The whole world is on Xanax. The whole world is on Clonopin. The whole world is on these things. You have a problem, just drink NyQuil and go to bed, right? No, no, no. We, no. And what you're seeing is that people do not know how to deal with demon problems. Back in the day, you had somebody that had a mental illness. It wasn't take them to Dr. Smith and Dr. Smith give you prescription to go to CVS and get 1,500 milligrams of Xanax and just take one and go to bed. No, no, no. It was, let's go see Dr. Jesus in the church. Yeah. Let's bring them to the church. You know, you have a seven-year-old kid. It's crazy. Acting crazy. I remember I cast a, I, I commanded the devil to come out of a young man four years old one time. Oh, you shouldn't do that. That's not nice. You don't have to come back. But he went on free, man. Couldn't sleep for nights. Couldn't sleep for nights. Had the first eight hours sleep after I prayed for him. Yeah. You say, well, I would take my, put the seven-year-old boy and say, you sit here. Crazy, out of his mind, but the anointing of God's in the service. Crazy, having thoughts, night terrors, you feel bad for him? Sit there, sit there, and let the anointing hit him. Wait for the anointing of God to touch that young man. Wait for the anointing of God. 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 Because the only thing that can deliver people from spiritual problems is the ministry of Jesus Christ. Hello, somebody. So the first misconception, am I preaching to you this morning? I'm just being led of God, led of the Spirit this morning. Okay, the first, the first thing that people believe about demons is that in order for there to be demonic activity in a person's life, there has to be some gross sin present in the person. We think sometimes that, you know, the, 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 the demonic problems has to be the, the serial killer that tracks, you know, masses of women into the bush and kills them. No, 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 no. That's not true. As a matter of fact, what you'll discover is that you find there are many Christians living in the world today and they are struggling with demonic problems in their life. And the truth about it is they cannot get over these problems. And you know the person is struggling with that is because you'll find out that they have tried everything and they cannot get over it. I will say this, that there are many Thousands, may, maybe even millions of well-intentioned, good-hearted, tithing, and well-minded Christians that are sitting in church pews this morning in services and they're struggling with demon problems. You say, Pastor, I have enough problems of my own already. Now you're going to tell me I'm struggling with demons. No, no, no. I'm trying to tell you, you can overcome it today by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can overcome it. You say, well, well, well how do you know? Number one, they have oppression in their life. If you're taking notes, this is oppression. Number one, it means torments and afflictions in a manner that burdens them and makes them miserable. 
a person that is oppressed has dread in their life. Have you seen, do you know what dread is? There's a church here this morning. Are you guys here? Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Dread is this. Walking around like this. Oh. You know, you see it in their face. Hanging down, upset, carrying dread. Number two, you have a person that is depressed. And in depressed people, a depressed person is so inwardly focused that they cannot be outwardly concentrated. You, you try and talk to the person, but they shut down. Now, they haven't shut down. They've shut down things around the outside because what's inside of them is requiring all their attention. Why is a person depressed? I don't know, Pastor. I'm depressed. I don't know why I'm depressed. I've been depressed for 50 days now. I've been depressed since late August last year. Why am I depressed? Well, because you, you have spiritual problems going on. You, then there's another person and they're obsessed. This has become the biggest thing in the United States today is obsession. Obsession means something that is compulsive that you cannot stop fixating upon. And the number one, I'm going to, listen, the, I'm not trying to be on my soapbox, but the number one problem that young people today, this is, oh, I'm going to just say it, this is why there's so much homosexuality today and there's so much lust, is because the number one obsession of the day has become the obsession with self. Perversion and sexually homosexuality is so angersome to God because it is that you have to completely reject God in place of yourself to accept it. You're saying to yourself, I want somebody like me because I'm so beautiful. And that's why I don't mind you taking a selfie every now and then. I don't mind you having a selfie stick. Bring the selfie stick in the church. And take a selfie you sitting in light of today and hashtag it light of today. I'll even jump in there with you. Amen. I don't have a selfie stick. I just use a coat hanger. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> right? I just use this coat hanger. I saw that. That was really funny. Someone was using one of those coat hangers that you, you know, pin the pants up on as a selfie stick. They couldn't afford a coat hanger, a selfie stick. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. We have this, this uh, let's just Snapchat. Let's do all this stuff. Periscope me. I'm, I can't keep up with all this stuff. I'm just Facebooking. That's all. Yeah, because... Well, you're so obsessed with me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look what you're not doing. No, no, stop it. Do you know what this is going on? You're obsessed with yourself. And do you know what? It becomes demon problem eventually. Absolutely. Psychologically, psychological problem. And now this is why we are seeing so many Christians in the need of deliverance and the need of Jesus' ministry because they can't break the cycle of defeat. Brother Caleb, can you come up? I'm, I'm running out of time here. My God. Okay, are you here this morning? Okay, let me, if you have your Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 5. I'm just going to have to finish this tonight in service. Mark chapter 5. Is this okay this morning? Can I preach this? Because I want you to know. I want you to know. I, I, I want, my heart is this. I want people to come as this ministry continues to grow. See, you can say that you were at Lighter today when we first started off. Amen, somebody. You're the first to get touched. You're the first to get healed. You're the first to get saved. You can say you knew Pastor Paul when he was wearing suits that, that, that were a little too big for him. Now I have the suit on and it'll be like this on me. I can't button the suit up. Amen. Yeah. I want people to... Uh, listen, I want the parking lot full of cars. People wanted to come to this church. Because they have exhausted all the other ones. Now I pray that all the, that's why I'm calling pastors this week. I'm saying, listen, pastors, I know I'm in covenant with certain pastors in the area. I love them all, but there's certain ones that we, we're like this. We're in covenant. And I'm going to say, God has put it in my heart. We need house of deliverances.
I don't just mean you come and puke in a bag and just keep puking in bags. I don't mean all that. I mean that you get delivered and you learn to grow. I believe, I've taught the leadership of this ministry, you're not going to grow until you get delivered. You say, how can I grow? First, take care of the obsessive cycle of thoughts that it is in your mind. Cleanse this. Cleanse this. Cleanse. You know what? When you cleanse your mind, do you know what you cleanse? You cleanse your emotions. You cleanse your will. You cleanse your desires. See, if in your life you're having problem focusing in worship, having problem focusing in prayer, you cannot go before the Lord in prayer freely. You cannot go into His presence freely. Do you know why that is? Because you are tormented and there's something that needs to be delivered in here. I believe and I know that when I have a leadership of people that have been delivered from power of darkness, been delivered in their minds, then that means that we can open up the church doors and people can start coming in and we can show them, pow, be delivered, be delivered. Because today we make say physical problems those are important but I'm going to tell you the real problem we have is up here crazy thinking people and you say well I'm not schizophrenic I'm not paranoid I'm not talking about that most people aren't most people just will be sitting in line at Subway ask me or whatever wherever you're at sitting in line maybe you sit in line at the bank maybe you sit in line whatever and just thought comes by man and you start obsessing over it. Five minutes go by. Why have I been thinking about this? Because there's a root in your life that needs to be taken out. Okay, you got your Bibles real quick? Let me show you. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. This is what the Bible says. There is power... Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 2. This is what the Apostle Paul says. I'm going to finish this up tonight, but there's power in confronting that thing in your life that needs to go. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 says, but we have renounced. Someone say renounced. Renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, condemning, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The word here that says that we have renounced means that you come and you speak forth. You, the, the, the Greek literally says, you could translate it correctly. The Apostle Paul says, we have bid farewell to the hidden things of dishonesty. When you bid farewell to something, you don't just do this. You see you later, goodbye. You know, and when you're in the car and you're leaving, you have hugged a hundred times. You have... You have you know, slap fives and shaking hands a hundred times and you get in a car and you still have to drive away and honk at the person like goodbye again. Right? As if the person you didn't say goodbye. That's bidding farewell. So honk. Yeah, see you again. Bye. Yeah. 
That's bidding farewell. There's problems in your life, and the reason people aren't delivered from those problems is because they haven't honked and said, goodbye problem. Goodbye. See you later. And the Bible says, renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. The word dishonesty, or hidden things of dishonesty. Hidden is the word cryptos. It means to put something in a secret chamber. And the word dishonesty means shame. And this is what Christians do, and this is why they're not delivered. Is because when you have a thing that's shameful in your life, maybe you were molested, maybe you were uh, sexually abused, maybe you, you had an addiction of some kind and you struggled with it for years. The Bible says, bid it farewell. But Christians sometimes, they come into an atmosphere of other Christians, they don't think they're dealing with other problems, and instead of bidding the problem farewell by confronting the issue, you know what the Christian does? They take that hidden thing and they hide it away because it's shameful. The Bible says shameful things don't belong in the cryptos of your heart. Shameful things belong in front of you when you say goodbye, see you later. Hello somebody. At this ministry, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to close with this altar call. I'm going to say this. I want deliverance for the people of God. You are not delivered for something as long as you continue to put it in a crypt in your heart. You have to find the root of the thing that is causing those thoughts in your life. Why are you the way? Why are you violent? Why are you angry? Why are you sad all the time? Why is it you cannot relate to people? Why do you have this in your life? You know what you need to do? You need to find that thing. You need to go looking for it. By the power of the Spirit, bring it out and bid it farewell and say, Listen, you've been running my life for 40 years. You have been dominating me for 40 years. Goodbye. I'm going to talk about what a generational mindset is. I'm going to tell you what a generational mindset is. Many times, there are people that they have, you know, they see somebody in the family doing something. They see somebody, maybe they see the, the parent, uh, or maybe they see the grandparent. Maybe the son talks to the grandparent, the daughter talks to the grandma, and says, Mom, you know, why did so-and-so cheat on so-and-so? And the mom says, well, or the grandma says, that's just what the people in this family do. We cheat on each other. Or you see someone cheating on their taxes. You say, why do we cheat on taxes? That's just what we do in this family. We cheat on our taxes. You know what happens? It creates a mindset that you have to be free from. Otherwise, you're going to start doing it and say, this is what we just do in this family. No, it's not against this. It's just the Word of God. So the way you handle the problem is you get it out of your heart. And you bid that thing farewell. That's deliverance in the ministry of Jesus. Stand to your feet this morning quickly. I want you to examine your heart quickly. Now I'm going to say two things. First off, whatever you have in your heart this morning that is causing the problem, I want you to bid it farewell. I want you to examine yourself. I want you to bid it farewell. Number two, if you say, Pastor, I need your help. I need your help because I live in a cycle of defeat. I live in a cycle of addiction. I live in a cycle of bondage. I, 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 need, I need counsel. I want you to call and I want you to schedule an appointment with me this week. And I will take you through deliverance. Can someone say amen? I will take you through the process. I come from a family. I have a wonderful mom. I have a wonderful dad. Prior to that and, and, and grandparents' life and there was problems, problems. And I understood that I was going to have the problems of my grandparents if I did not get it out of my life. 
as a young boy. And people say, why? How come you're 31 you're a virgin? How come you're 31 and you're pure? How come you're 31 and you never stray from God? How come you're 31? Two things. Number one, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Number two, I went through deliverance as a 15-year-old boy. Found out that I had a grandfather in the Masons. Found out there was just all sorts of problems. And you know what? Broke the attachment in my life. No power. Pull me back into those things. I was free in Jesus. Hello, somebody. Let's close our eyes, lift our hands. If you need me... Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.